Hey, I'm Pastor Paul Watson, and you're listening to the official podcast of the Downtown Vineyard Church. At DTV Church, we're followers of Jesus, and we believe that relationships are holy and that God loves everyone. We are so excited that you're a part of our online community of faith, and from wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message this week. (laughs) I think we should change that and say, all right, Jesus, come on. Come on. You guys doing all right? Good. Good, 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 good. Have you ever had a conversation? Maybe it was a long conversation. Maybe it was a short conversation. But have you ever had a moment? Maybe it was, maybe it was something intentional. Maybe it was something that just happened on a street corner. Have you ever had a conversation that changed your life forever? Have you ever had that moment? There's this, there's this moment that we're going to talk about for uh, today, and you're going to find it in Matthew 28. And I think it has to be one of the most incredible conversations you'll ever read about in any history book, in any letter, in any, any space. It goes like this. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary... Now, pause for a second. How would you like to be known as the other Mary? (laughs) Right? My brother Phil, my other brother Phil. Right? How would you like to be known as the other Mary? Went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Now that's a moment. Hey, ladies, how you doing? <laughs> his face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid. I know you are here looking for Jesus. Pause for a second. I'm going to read on. I love that. I know you are here looking for Jesus. That was true true 2,020 years ago. That's true today. I know we are here looking for Jesus. I know we are here looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was laying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of them to Galilee. You will see him there and remember what I have told you. Life-changing moment, life-changing conversation. A a moment for Mary that for the rest of her life, she would tell you, where were you at? Where were you at when you had that real encounter? And she said, it was at the tomb. It was at the tomb. Today's Easter. I love Easter. Easter literally is this moment for Christians where we look and we look to Scripture to show us the image of God. And the image of God doesn't just come through Jesus' life. It actually comes through his death and it comes through his resurrection. Scripture literally says that when you look at Jesus, you see the image of God. There's this little girl, six years old. She was coloring in her classroom. 
And as she was coloring in her classroom and drawing, the, the teacher came over and looked over her shoulder and said, hmm, what are you drawing? The little girl, without just even missing a beat, just says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher also, without missing a beat, says, you know nobody knows what God looks like. She says, I know, that's why I'm drawing the picture. <laughs> they will know when I'm done. I, I, I kind of make up stories in my mind. Do you guys make up stories in your mind? I kind of make up stories in my mind. The story in my mind kind of goes like this when it comes to Jesus and him coming to earth. I can just imagine all of these angels sitting around and saying, have you heard what's going what, have you heard the plan? Like, have you, have you heard the plan? Like, Jesus is going to earth. Like, like that's crazy. Jesus is going to go to earth. And you know that they're like, why is he doing that? Like, really, for those people? Like, those people are pretty messed up. And you know that angel after angel pipes in, and you know they have their little, their little group, and they're like, those people don't deserve him. How will they even recognize him? And you know that it was some wise angel who had walked by and just went, they will whenever, he, whenever they see him. The resurrection was so that you and I would recognize Jesus. That's what it was for. It's that you and I would recognize God. There's this passage, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 5.21, and it says this, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's the point of the resurrection. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Today we're going to talk about this topic. And it's all throughout Scripture. And it's all throughout the Bible. It's all, all throughout uh, Christian heritage. And we're going to talk about grace. Let me ask you some questions as we do. What do you know about grace? Like it's not something we talk a lot about in our society. Do you like the idea of grace? Do you like the idea of grace? Is grace one of these ideas that you like the idea of? Let, let me ask it a different way. Would you rather receive grace or would you rather give grace? Good answer. <laughs> right on the front row, give grace. I don't know. For me, grace is hard to give, and there's many times where I'd rather receive grace. Right? But grace, giving grace is the right answer. So let's keep, let's keep asking some questions. What do you believe about God's grace? You see, it's really easy to believe that God gives grace, but do you believe God gives grace to everyone? Do you believe that God gives grace to anyone? It's easy to believe that God gives grace to people who jaywalk. Low shelf stuff, right? Our staff every now and then, about uh, once a month, we'll all get here a little bit early and we'll all walk down to Main Street to get coffee. And just so you know, Pastor Paul is a jaywalker. I just believe that grown-ups that come to a street that can look down and not see cars for miles should be able to walk across the street on their own. I just think it's, a, it's an adult right. 
And every time I go to take a step on the curb and my step grabs me and goes, no, there's no white person saying cross here. Right? So it's easy to give grace to jaywalkers. It's easy to give grace to people who tell little white lies. So here's the question. Does God just make room for people who sin a little bit? Or is grace for people who sin a lot? You know, does God just give grace to people who tell mostly little white lies? Yeah, you look good. You look, you look kind of good. All right, you look mostly good. Or, or that, that one of like, you know, you come into a conversation and somebody storms off and the other person looks and goes, like, am, am I, tell me the truth. Am I really a jerk? No, no, you're not a jerk. They deserve that. Or is God a God who, like, should give grace to, like, people who are really bad, downright deceitful, super malicious, wicked people, murderers, people who abuse children, people who abuse other people? Do you expect God to have grace for people who sin a little bit? Or are you okay with God having grace for people who sin a lot? This is an important question. Because the truth is, is if there's a line, then you have to ask this other question. Where's the line? And if you decide that there is a line, and if you can figure out where that line is, then you have to begin to ask the question, who's in and who's out? How good do you have to be to get in, and how bad do you have to be to, to, to stay out? Where do you draw the line? You see, here's the problem. We thank God for God because if you drew the line, there would be a line. Right? I know there would be a line for me. That The line for me would be that good people win and bad people lose. And I would get to, of course, decide who's good and who's bad. The reason we're here today is because we don't get to decide. God decided long ago that he would give his son for anyone who believed, no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been. The point of God's grace is amazing because God offered it and offers it to everyone. There's a passage. It's in Luke 24. And it says, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Now here's why that particular passage is so important. Luke 24 is the last passage, is the last um, scripture in the book of Luke. It, it, it's the end. And this particular sentence is found in the second to the last paragraph at the end of Luke. And the reason that's important is it's there before Jesus ascends to heaven. Before Jesus ascends to heaven, he makes this incredible statement. He says, there's forgiveness for anyone who repents. Now, here, here's why that's super important. Jesus is ascending to heaven. And when he makes that statement, he's making that statement after 
He's been brutally beaten by Roman soldiers. He's making that statement after he's been convicted for doing no wrong. He's making that statement after the resurrection. He's making that statement after the crucifixion. He's making that statement after he's endured all pain and suffering as an innocent man. And before he ascends, he says, and tell them, there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. I want to give you three things that I think is amazing about God's grace. First, God's grace accepts you and I as we are. You walked in here today, and your wife may have asked you to change. I changed three times before I got here. This is not the first outfit. Your parents may ask you to change. Your friends may ask you to change. But when you walk through the doors of this church, God didn't ask you to change before you got here. He didn't ask you to change. He accepts you for who you are as you are. There's a passage in Romans chapter 10, and it just simply says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like, here's an important moment. God doesn't say, hey, change before you call upon my name. It just says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know what that, um, do you know that that is true of the Christian religion? But that's not true of any other religion. Uh, the, the, the one major thing that is different between Christianity and other religions is that all other major religions outside of Christianity assert that in order for God to accept you, you must become acceptable. Did you know that? All other major religions state that in order for God to accept you, you must first become acceptable. There is a, a conference that C.S. Lewis, the great theologian and great author, was attending. And as he walked in, there had been this debate that had been going on for three and a half hours. And the debate was, what is different about Christianity that other religions don't have some aspect of? What's the, what's the main difference? That, like, like, is there any difference that, that not all of them are exactly the same, but is there any difference between world religions and Christianity? And the debate had lasted three and a half hours when C.S. Lewis walked in the door and finally somebody um, from the front yelled to C.S. Lewis who was standing in the back and said, C.S. Lewis, what's the difference? between Christianity and other world religions. And in the moment's notice, he said, that's easy. It's grace. Grace is the difference. Grace is the peace that God accepts you as you are where you are. That you do not have to change. You do not have to become acceptable first for him to accept you. Here's the interesting part. Hinduism. Literally, they have... Uh, they, they, they believe that they have it down to a science, and they believe that it takes 6,800,000 incarnations to balance out a person's wrongs and receive enlightenment and liberation. 6,800,000 lives. Here's why, that's, here's why that's really important. That means that you would have to live 6,799,000 
1,999 imperfect lives before you get to the perfect. That sounds terrible. This one life is hard enough. That sounds terrible. There's this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, and that Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and he's, he's just trying to fill them with hope, inspire them. And he says, don't you know that God saved you by his grace when you believed? And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. Here's what Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus saying. He's saying, like, like, the difference between the best person in this room and the worst person in this room is so minute that you might see it on on earth, but you'll never see it in heaven. That God extends grace to everyone in this room, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, so that none can boast about it. The second thing is this. The second thing that's so amazing about God's grace is that God's grace redeems us and transforms us. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't just redeem us. God's grace is literally transformative. That when you receive God's grace, it begins to work anew in you without you trying to work it. That means this, that you don't have to live 6,799,999 imperfect, miserable lives. Grace has the power to transform this one. Oh, if we were in a Baptist church, they would have loved that. They would have loved that line on Easter morning. God's grace loosens the power of guilt. God's grace loosens the power of shame. God's grace overcomes the power of unworthiness. God's grace gives you the power to change. It gives you the power to resist evil. It gives you the power to resist the devil. It gives you the power to gain Self-control. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life. Catch this. I like to pause there. It means that anyone that belongs to Christ has, has, is now, right now in this moment, is a new creation. And then he goes on. And I, just, I just think that probably when they read that, they just paused. He said, the old life is gone. A new life has become, begun. How many of you are grateful for the new life? Yeah. Right? Amen. Like that God did the work in your life. That you gave your life to Jesus. And that because of Jesus, the very things that you weren't over able to overcome in your old life by yourself without Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into your heart. The Holy Spirit came into your life and began to do a new work. And all of a sudden, God just begins to do that new work. And when you look up, it, maybe it takes a minute. Maybe it doesn't happen immediately. Maybe it's a slow work. Maybe, maybe it takes a year. Maybe it takes two years. Maybe it takes three years. Maybe it takes five years. But there's this moment where you look up and that because you're a follower of Jesus, there's this moment you look up And you go, thank God, 
I'm not the person I used to be because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Amen? That you're, you're an overcomer. I love that. That most, the most powerful testimony you will ever share is your own testimony. The Apostle Paul shared this story with Timothy when he said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength to do his work. He didn't say, I did his work on my own. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, who gave me the strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy, and he pointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in my ignorance, in my unbelief. He's literally telling Timothy, who's planting this church, and at this moment, Timothy's probably about 19 years of age, and he's saying, Timothy, you can do this thing, man. You can follow Jesus. And he says, and it's not because you're good enough, but it's because the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to do his work. And he says, I thank God that God captured my heart when I was far from him, when I was persecuting people, when I was making fun of Christians. He said, that's when God got a hold of me. In 1772, John Newton published the song Amazing Grace. Now here's what's interesting about that song. Yes, it's old. It's an old song. It's a song we still sing. The reason he wrote this song, was there was this moment in John Newton's life when he looked back upon who he used to be and he gave thanks for the change that God brought into his life. You see, I don't know if you knew this, John Newton was super important to the abolishment of slavery in 1789 in Europe. And the reason that he was so dogmatic about freeing slaves and giving all men and all women freedom was that for nine years, he was the primary slave trader in Europe. He, before he gave his life to Jesus, had sold thousands upon thousands upon thousands of men and women into slavery. He had, sh he had shipped hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of slaves in his boats. And God got a hold of his heart. And he gave his life to Jesus and he repented. And when he writes the words amazing grace, how sweet the sound, who saved a wretch like me. It's because he's had a moment where he's came into contact with the realization of who he would be if it wasn't for Jesus. And Jesus changed everything, everything in his life. You see, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, he says these words. He says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him 
We are changed into his glorious image. He's saying there was a moment where I couldn't recognize God. I couldn't recognize the good things of Jesus. I was, I was blind to those things. And then God lifted the veil. And when he lifted the veil, not only did I see his glory, I also saw my insolence. I got to see who I was in reality compared to who God is. And when I got to see that contrast, it made me realize how much I need Jesus. Here's the third one. The third one is just this. I believe that God's grace leads us and guides us. The author of Hebrews wrote this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Then we will receive his mercy we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This morning, what Jesus offers us, what the Holy Spirit offers us, what the kingdom of God offers us is the grace of God to lead us, guide us, and direct us. God's grace is like a trail map. It directs us, it guides us when we're lost, and it helps us stay on course. In 2019, me and a bunch of my friends, a bunch of guys, we, we took a mountain biking trip. Um, I am there in the, the green bike, uh, bent down there, um, I'm right there. And we're, we're starting, this is um, the Monarch Pass Trailhead. The Monarch Pass Trailhead starts at 8,400 feet. It's a 33-mile mountain bike trail, and it ascends to 12,170 feet. It, it's a pretty good ride for an afternoon. And we started off with about 11, 12 of us. And as we, just after we took this picture, we all kind of gathered around this circle and we kind of had this rule and the rule was, hey, let's all stay together. Let's make this trip together. Now what you need to know is in that picture are some studs and I am not one of them. I just happen to be one of them in the picture. And so we have fast guys, we have slow guys, we have young guys, we have older guys. And we said, what if we would just take this trip together? Let's just all take off. Let's go together. And we get about a mile and a half up the road. And the fast guys really begin to realize at elevation how slow the slow guys really are. And these three, uh, these three guys, this, this father and these two boys, who are incredibly skilled mountain bikers, they, 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 we stop at, the, at this point and they said, hey, we're going to go ahead and go on. We're going we're to take off. We're going to... We'll meet you guys back in the parking lot. And we said, hey, we thought we were going to take this trip together. And I said, I know, but we think we can do this a little bit faster. And I said, I'm sure you can. And I said, let me just ask one important question. And they said, what's that? I said, when you were back there, did you buy a map? Do you know where you're going? And they said, no, no, we don't need a map. We're good. And I said, I said why didn't you buy a map? And I said, the maps were too expensive. And then I replied, because I'm snarky. I said, you know what? An expensive map when you're not lost is not nearly expensive when you are lost. When you're lost, maps are cheap. And they said, we'll be fine. And off they went. And about 22 miles up the road, we come to the trailhead. And as we come to the trailhead that takes you back into the parking lot, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick left, 
And when you come to the trailhead, there's this little tiny sign. It's about this, it's about this high off the ground. It's about this big, and it marks the trail back to the parking lot. And the path at that moment goes from being this really wide six, eight-foot path to being this little path that's about six inches wide that was really high of grass. And I happened to be the first one there outside of those three gentlemen. And when I got there, I went, oh, no. I bet they missed the trail. And I waited for the rest of the guys to get there. And, and sure enough, we all gather up there. And I said, you know what, guys? I'm really worried that the, the, the crew ahead of us missed the trail. And they're like, no, 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 they're super experienced. There's no way they missed the trail. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think that I could have easily missed this trail. And they said, no, no, they'll be fine. And so sure enough, we take off. And we get back to the parking lot. It's now about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We started at 8 o'clock in the morning. And we get back to the parking lot. We're all exhausted. And we can't find them anywhere. They are nowhere to be found. And it was a beautiful, beautiful ride, but they're nowhere to be found. And so 5 o'clock comes, and they don't show up. 6 o'clock comes, they don't show up. 7 o'clock comes, we, we finally call um, for some help, and they say, yeah, we can help. It'll be about $10,000. And we say, well, we're okay. We'll let them be lost for $10,000. Because <laughs> we're kind and compassionate that way. Finally, a couple of guys said, hey, we should go find them. And so they took off looking for them. And sure enough, at 10.30 at night, they found them. They had missed the trail by 12 miles, which is a long ways when you're already going to do 33 miles. And if you miss the trail by 12 miles, then you've got to go back, which makes it a 24-mile miss, uphill. And as they, were, as they had descended down um, the, the wrong trail, they had gone 12 miles, the, the sun was going down, and all of a sudden they came across this guy in camouflage who was scouting the area. He's a hunter. And pretty soon the father said, hey, do you know where we're at? He says, well, I know where I'm at, but you obviously don't know where you're at. And he pulls out a map, and he goes, you're right here. And as they look up, the father goes, how much would you want to, do we want to sell that map for? He goes, I'll pay anything for that map. He goes, son, I don't need a map. I'm not lost. I'll give you this map. And they headed back, and they finally made it back, and they were out of water, and they were tired, and they were discouraged. I hope I made that obvious for you. This morning... Some of you have spent your life thinking you're okay. You, you have ignored the fact that you need the map of Jesus. You've gone through your life ignoring the fact that Jesus is the map. And it's interesting. You can do that for a while. And it's interesting because you can do that for a while because you think you're okay. But then there comes this moment in a person's life where they recognize that they're not as okay as they thought they were. Now, here's the great part. When you recognize that you're not as okay as you thought you were, you don't have to return 12 miles uphill. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Scripture says, for anyone who believes shall be saved, no matter who you are or what you've done. Today's a wonderful 
day to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to guide and direct my life. I need your spirit to speak to me and convict me and teach me your ways. Today we're going to do one last song. The song is Amazing Grace. As we do, oh, I'm so sorry. It is not Amazing Grace. It is Graves to Gardens. Now, here's why this is really important. Because our kids often sing Graves to Gardens in their third, fourth, fifth grade classes. And so if you are a kid, up to eighth grade, we would love to have you come right down front and sing this last song with us. If you want to, you're invited to. Could I get all the kids to come down forward? And as they, as they come, here's what I'd like for you to do. Yeah, come on, man. You look good. You look good. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Don't these kids look good? Come on. Yeah. Hi, Daniel. Hi, buddy. We're going to let kids come down. As they're coming down, there's going to be a little bit more noise, right? Here, here's what I want you to catch. Sometimes what happens is it becomes really easy for us to get distracted, right? It becomes easy for us to get distracted. Don't lose the significance of the story that I just told. Don't lose the significance of this day. And as they come, I'm going to pray for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, today we would pause. Just as a reminder to give thanks for your, your life, your death, and your resurrection. Just for a reminder today that, God, we need you. That in this life, it's easy to get lost without you. And so, Lord, your word said, for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So today that we would call upon you and say, Jesus, would you come into my life? On this day, would you be my roadmap home? Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me? Hi, guys. All right, are you kids ready to show these adults how to do it this morning? Let's sing this out with me. And I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise, treasures that fade, are never enough. And you came along. You came along and put me back together. Now every desire, every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Think of it, oh, there's nothing.
guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Hey, so we're going to do something significant right here. I'm going to invite you into a significant moment. So we have these kids, and they are awesome. Today, we also have Compassion International with us. That's the signs over here. As you walk out these doors, there's a table set up, and we have the opportunity today, our church, to adopt 100 children from uh, El Salvador. Here's why this is really important. We know how significant it is to take care of our kids. And our church made a declaration when we started it in our living room. We said, we don't want to be just a church in our community. We want to be a church to our community. We want to be a church that serves and loves. 
So about four years ago, I got the opportunity to start working with pastors in El Salvador. And so now that we're working with pastors in El Salvador, our goal is to adopt kids in El Salvador. So every time we go down to El Salvador, we get to go visit our kids. We get to go see the kids that we hang on our refrigerators. But here, here's the point. You get to make an impact in somebody else's life. And when, you, um, when, when, we, when, we, um, when we come together and we begin to work with organizations like El Salvador, it's a really simple way not just to make sure that our kids know Jesus, it's a really simple way to make sure that other kids know Jesus. So compassion, what compassion does, is compassion goes into these very impoverished places. They make sure that kids get food, they get water, they get shelter, they get medical opportunities. They are all connected to a local church. And we're going to adopt, um, the kids that we're adopting today are literally in these two villages that are 15 minutes apart so that every time we go to El Salvador, we're going to go to these two villages and start making an impact and say, we love you, we love you, we love you. It's $39 a month or $1.25 a day. Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's give one big round of applause to Jesus on this day. If you are here for the first time, we have a new corner back here. It's called our Start Here Corner. You can walk back there, and you can ask Brandy and Alex any of your questions, and they will help you get connected to the church. You can find out about youth ministry. You can find out about women's ministry. You can find out about serving. You can find out about uh, men's ministry. Anyway, let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and we just say that we love you, and we are so, so grateful for your sacrifice. We pray your kingdom come on earth just as you promised it would and just like it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. If you find this tool valuable and would like to support this ministry, you can do so easily through our DTV app or on our website dtvchurch.org forward slash give. God bless you and have a great rest of your week.